Okay, so we have been on this mini-series called The Spirit Speaks. We are talking about the Bible, the importance of the Bible, the role of the Bible, and this is week three, and um, you know, this is the goal. This, I, we have one goal in this series, in this little mini-series, and the goal is this, that you would start reading the Bible, okay? That's the goal. That's why we're teaching what we're teaching. It's with the hope that you would engage God, that you would experience his love. Because what we believe is this. If you just start this, you will want to continue it because you're going to experience God's love in his life. But it's really hard to get started for a number of reasons. I'm going to talk about some of those today. I talked about it in the first week. Josh did it last week. But uh, I'll let you into a little secret. You see, a lot, one of the reasons... That a lot of us struggle with reading the Bible is we think, well, you know, I'm not as spiritual as so-and-so, right? Or, you know, I'm sure that they read the Bible all the time. They hear from God all the time. And it's just not true. This is something we all struggle with. You know, you'd think as a leader of the church, like, I would read the Bible all the time. And I do when it comes to teaching and studying. But like many of us, I really struggle with sitting down with the Word, going to the Word, being fed by the Word personally, being encouraged by the Word personally. And so, again, as you hear me speak, there is no shame in this. There is no, like, you should not feel guilty. You should not feel condemned. You and I in this series are invited into life. That is what this is about, is you experiencing God's love, you being invited into life. Today I want to talk about this, kind of the topic, or the, what I want to speak about today, is that reading the Bible will lead us into a loving relationship with the Father. Out of the loving relationship with the Father, we will have a choice to either trust Him or not trust Him. And the Bible, I believe, speaks to this specifically, that we would experience His love, Scripture says, and then out of that we would trust His, we would trust his Word and we would be loyal to Him. We would not just believe in him, but we would trust him to the degree that we would submit to him. We would submit to his lordship, his love, and his life. Right, Scott? That's what I'm talking about. Got me some coffee. Appreciate that. All right? And so we're going to launch into that. Okay, the first is that we would experience this love. And here's what's cool. I never thought about this before. And uh, I was working on it last night. I was praying about it last night. And uh, God kind of brought this into me. And I feel like he kind of said to me, Antley, one of the things that's powerful about my word is that it's written to you. It's a letter written to you. Many of us think, when we think of Scripture, when we think of the Bible, we think, oh, yeah, it's like about the historical Jesus. It's do's and don'ts. It's this impersonal book that really doesn't have anything written to me personally. But that's just the opposite. That is a lie from the enemy. You see, the Bible, more than anything, is the letter from our Father that's been written to us because He loves us. And more than anything, He wants to communicate through this letter to us how important we are, how special we are. Now, Uh, Think about this. If you're a parent, you've probably, or maybe you've written letters to your children. I know I have, with the desire that they would know how special they are. They would know how important they are. That they could go back to it whenever I'm dead, or they could go back to it whenever, like, I'm being a jack wagon of a dad. They could pick it out and they can look at it and they can read it. It's like I know my dad's being a jack wagon, but he said this that he loves me. 
He is faithful to care for me. He is going to provide for me. And they read that and they remember, right? Now, some of the letters I've written to my children have changed the course of their life. I've asked God to speak to me. I've spoken to them. I mean, I've written it down to them. I've given it to them. And I've said, hey, just take this. I just sense this is what the Lord wants me to give to you. This is my heart for you. This is my love for you. And they receive that in a way that is unique because I'm their father. But it's a letter that I've written specially for them. Very powerful. Very powerful. Now, I also like draw pictures and put it in their lunchbox when they're little. Like, I love you, sunshine, holding hands, stick figures, right? I mean, you do all kinds of things like that to communicate that we love our children. And it's something that our children can hold on to. They can remember. They can go back to when things are difficult and things are hard. And the same thing, again, is true with the Bible, that our Father has written us a letter, a personal letter, and it is powerful. It gives us hope. I want to read a letter that, um, as I was working on this last night, I remembered a letter that my good friend John Moorhead wrote, wrote to me. He's dead now. He was like a mentor to me, like a father to me. And he wrote this letter. He wrote it in 03, okay, like 13 years ago. And, uh, and this is what it says. <clears throat> Dear Aunt Lee and Laura, please accept this gift and use it in whatever way is useful or helpful uh, to bring your baby daughter home. I am honored and blessed to be able to help and it is with great confidence in our loving Heavenly Father that I say to you, rarely have I felt such conviction and peace in transferring some of his money from our hands into someone else's. Make my joy complete. Raise her in the true nurture and admonition of the Lord. And model the love of Jesus Christ and the reality of his kingdom among us. I pledge to you that as long as I can think clearly, this side of heaven, I will continually be lifting her up by name and prayer, asking God to be glorified in and through her, and that the Holy Spirit would, would draw her into an intimate relationship with Jesus early in life, and then deepen it over a lifetime. I also pledge to you that I will support you as her parents with prayer and in any way I can. I trust uh, that you will keep me informed of her needs. I will pray for Chase, Cole, and Blake that they would love their sister deeply, be blessed by her, uh, be blessed by her, blessed by her presence in the home. May God richly bless and strengthen your marriage. That's a powerful letter. Now, here's what's interesting: He died two years ago, and this day, April second, I preached his funeral. And when I, I found this letter and I saw that, I was like, "Well, certainly, the Lord wants me to share that powerful letter." This is a prophetic letter. This is what the Lord's going to do. He is going to bring her to the Lord and grow her in time and his faithfulness. And, I, and her brothers are going to love and accept and care for her. I'm praying for her by name. God has plans for her. All of these things. So whenever things are happening in her life that I don't see, I can trust. I can know. Like the Lord spoke to him. He wrote that. And it is a blessing to me. It's a gift for me. It gives me hope. It encourages me. Right? I mean, this, this is amazing. And I mean, anytime any of y'all write something nice to me, I put it in a folder. Because there are times I don't, you know, it's hard. Any job's hard. You know, but when you're disappointing people or hurting people, you go to that folder. I go to that folder and start reading things. Oh, yeah. There's a few that love me in the church, right? And so, uh, but, but those are encouraging words. Now, what if I came to you and I handed, I handed this to Craig and said, dude, this is a powerful letter. I want you to have it. Read it. 
It's amazing. Would it be powerful to him? No. Wouldn't be powerful to him. Why? It wasn't written to him. What makes it powerful is that it was written to me. It's a personal letter written down and given to me by my father with promises of who I am, prophetic words of who I'm becoming and strengthening me and giving me hope in the midst of a life that is rocky and up and down and broken at times where I don't have the answers, I feel alone. I go and read this letter that he's written me and it gives me hope. It's a personal letter. It's a love letter. Now I'm going to read, I found this website. You know, I've never seen it before. It's 20 years old. And it has, um, it has something called the Father's Love Letter on it. Now, I'm going to read it to you out loud. And if you're able, if you trust me and you're not going to feel awkward, I would encourage you to close your eyes and listen to these words. Every single line I read is from the Bible. And it has a scripture reference next to it. And this letter is about our identity. It's about who he is, about how much he loves us. And it communicates that this word, the Bible, was written to you personally. It is a personal letter to you from a father who loves you. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider, and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all of my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I will take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. 
He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I will throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your heavenly father. You can't read scripture and come to the conclusion that it is a historical book written to the masses. You cannot read scripture and not read the love story of a father who comes after us again and again and again as we are disobedient, as we struggle, as we fail. His love is overwhelming. That is the story of the Bible. That is the story of his letter to you. And the invitation from the Father is that you would come, that you would receive, and you would believe. When you open the Bible, you're opening the most powerful and most accurate truth about God's love for you, who he really is, and how he sees you. The more you read the Bible, the more you experience how good he is, how loving he is, how faithful And that he has a life for you that you cannot imagine. If you don't believe, he loves you. That's the foundation. That's the beginning of believing and being able to trust him. And it's only if we trust him that we will serve him, that we will come before him, and that we will treat him as our Lord. In 1 Thessalonians Oh, yeah, and it says, come and taste, see that God is good. Blessed be there for refuge in him. That's the invitation. That's what I'm talking about. God's saying this, come, just come and see. Try it, you'll like it. Come to the Father, see. What do you have to lose? Right? It's an invitation. Get the Bible. Get a Bible. I said, not a screen. Get a Bible, something you can hold in your hand that's tangible. You can take with you. You can open, you can remember, you can look, you can read. What's more powerful, a written letter to you, snail mail, letter to you, or an email? That's what I'm talking about. Or a text, right? Same is true with the word. But if you don't have a Bible, you can read it on your screen, okay? Because that's, that's okay, all right? Okay. We would trust this word and we'd be loyal to him. Second, Second Thessalonians 1, 1 to 2 says this. To the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we go. There's two things being said here. The love of the Father, you know, you know peace to you in the Father who loves you and the Father's role is to protect you, provide for you, to care for you. So that you will experience the best life possible. But he also says to our Lord, to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, and Lord implies what? Authority, leadership, ownership, right? Someone's a Lord over something, they own it. Someone's a Lord over something, he has people that serve. 
that are building and growing his kingdom, following him, okay? He wants us to have both. I just talked about a loving father. But it's in him being our Lord that we find purpose. Is that you, Liz? For the love of, you didn't even tell me you were here. Thanks for that. But it's in being our Lord that we find purpose. And being our Lord, we find mission. And being our Lord, we come underneath. We yield to his authority, demonstrating that, yes, I do love you. And it's just not words. I love you with my life. All that I eat, all that I drink, all that I do is a living sacrifice to you, my Lord and my King. And this is the one we struggle with, people. This is the one that we struggle with. God wants us to go to the word and have knowledge of what it means to make decisions that glorify him and build his kingdom. God wants us to go to the word, go to the Bible and read. This is how life is found. I want to guide you. I want to strengthen you. I want to lead you. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to have anxiety. Come to my word. Come to my holy written word and find how to find life. Find how to serve me. Find purpose. Find meaning. I mean, how many of us, the number one question they say in the Christian, you know, Christians ask us, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? Go to the word. It's in there. God's will for your life is in there. Every single one of you, his will for your life is in there. And he will lead you and he will speak to you and he will show you what it is. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Does it get any more clear than that? Go to the word of God. It's meant there. It's to equip us. It's to prepare us. It's to get us ready to be profitable, you know, to, 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 to correct us and to help us and to love us. It's not a book of rules. It, it, it's, it's a love letter that, that leads us to experience life with the Father. That out of intimacy and love, we can trust him. And he spells out, he leads us and shows us, this is what life looks like. This is where life is found. This is where purpose is found. And to believe that, to believe that the word has that power, to believe that the word has that power, we have to believe that the word is inspired by God, is from God, and are the words from God. Because if we don't, we can't give it authority. Right? We need to say it's another book. I agree with some parts. Other parts I don't really agree with. This part really isn't true. It doesn't mean we don't struggle with different things. We don't understand different things. But we have to believe that the Holy Spirit, God, God the Holy Spirit, spoke and wrote and exactly communicated. And what was written down is exactly what he wanted to be written down. He didn't say it in some vague way and said, hey, just kind of do your best writing that down. And hopefully you'll capture what I say. It wouldn't be God's word then. It wouldn't be God's word then. 2 Peter 1.21 says this. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Prophetic word. God's spoken word to man. Okay? God's spoken word. As these people are writing it down. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
He spoke the very words through them so that nothing that was written down was from human origin. Nothing. That means this. This is what's good about this. It means that the words of Scripture are 100% trustworthy. They're 100% trustworthy. That means that they cannot fail you. They are incapable of failing you. They will never fail you. That's what it means when it says the Bible is infallible. It is impossible for the Bible to fail you. The other thing that's amazing whenever we think about God writing the Bible is his word. It's perfect in the original documents, okay? In the original documents, I meant to clarify that. It's, it's, it's true on all matters of faith and life. It's true on all matters of faith and life. That everything was, that was written in it is true. It teaches us what is truly the truth. It is the foundation of truth. Everything written in the Bible is truth. And so we can go to the Bible and know, not only I can trust this, I can live my life by this, but it's reliable because God wrote it, he's perfect, and therefore it's true because he is truth. He is truth. He can only be truth. And if he wrote the Bible, he is truth. And so we can give it authority. We can allow it to lead us. We can, we can come before it and say, I trust this. I believe it's true, even though I might not understand it. And this is really important. This is really important for a number of reasons. We've talked about some of them. Because we're going to face times where there's storms in our life, right? We're going to face times where it's really hard. We're going to face times where it doesn't feel like God is with us. It doesn't feel like it did when we first became a Christian. We're doubting our faith. We're struggling with what we believe. Now again, some of you probably assume that I don't go through these things. But I can tell you, I go through these things. I go through these things. When I go to spend time with God, I turn on worship music and there's nothing. I go to spend time with God and I wait and I wait and I wait day after day, week after week, month after month, and I hear nothing, nothing. And it draws me to his word. I am left in a position where if I don't go to his word, then I will not hear him speak at all. In seasons of my life where I am desperate to hear him speak. And every one of us will go through those seasons. Every single one of us will go through the storms of life. And God invites us into his word to be reminded, this is what I think about you, Antley. I'm always with you. I promise I will never forsake you. You might not see me. You might not feel me. But I am with you. This is the truth. And it trumps the facts of what you see in your life. My word is a foundation that you can lean on. It is a light into your path. I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, there is a million scriptures I could tell you. I could tell you that I go to and I count on, I rely on because it's all I have. And I journal about it. And I journal about it. Where are you? Where have you been? Why have you done this? You, you son of a, I can't believe you. And I get angry about it. And then I'm drawn back to the word. I'm reminded he's with me. He's faithful. He loves me. And all of us will go through that. The other thing that will happen if we don't have a foundation like the word that we can't go to that, that is truthfully the truth is that whenever we hear doctrines and we hear things taught in our world and culture changes and they say, well, well, well you know, a loving God wouldn't do this. 
Our emotions get engaged, our feelings get engaged, our thoughts get engaged, our wisdom gets engaged, the world's wisdom gets engaged, and we're left questioning what is the truth. In Colossians 2, 8 and 10, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head and rule of authority. When it comes to your marriage, you want to know how to treat your wife or your husband? The Bible tells you. When it comes to your enemies, people have hurt you. How are you supposed to respond in your anger? No, the Bible tells you the exact opposite. How are you supposed to treat people who work for you? How are you supposed to treat your friends? How are you supposed to, to raise your children? Chase, one of my sons, got bullied one time in school. I wanted to kill that mother. I was going to throat punch him. And then the Lord's like, Antley, what would cause him to react, the person who hurt him to react that way? And immediately... God's word just spoke to me, came to me, reminded me that he is God's child. And all the, he was hard, though, man. I, was, I wanted to find him out. Looked for him on Facebook, looked up lawyers, if there's anything I could do. But it says, all scripture is breathed by God. All of it. All of it's profitable for teaching. All of it is profitable for correction. All of it helps us to live life in a way. Helps us to stay grounded in truth when our emotions will lead us astray. And we'll say things like, I really feel like this is true. I really feel like this is good. Why can't I do this with my girlfriend and boyfriend? And God's created us this way. I have these parts that work together and it's amazing. Why, why can't I do this? It just feels so right. Right? Right? And so we gotta go to the Bible and we're like, well, what does the Lord say? I knew someone one time that said, yeah, I, I, you know, they were, they were widowed and, and, they, and they were talking to me and they said, yeah, I've decided that I'm not going to get married. We're just going to live together. I'm like, what, what? They're like, yeah, we're not going to get married. We're just going to live together. It's better for tax purposes. It's better for this, for that. He, they just become a Christian, right? And we're like, yo, you, you can't. Do you know what scripture says about that? Well, no. Well, you need to go and read what the truth is if you want to have a relationship that honors God, that is healthy, that grows in a way that glorifies him and brings you life to the full. You need to go to the word and read that. Otherwise, you're going to be tossed to and fro is what scripture says. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And again, we struggle with this. Real quick, we're out of time. I want to say this. I met someone, and they said this. They said, I love God. I'm a Christian. Um, I know the Bible is, God, is God's word. It's clear what it says about this issue. I disagree with God because I don't feel like that's true, and so I don't believe the Bible. That's no man's land. You can, get start, you can start making stuff up. You can start doing what you want, saying what you want. You're becoming God. Remember when we talked about Genesis, we said the two lies the enemy began with were what? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? Is that really what he said? Causing man and woman to distrust God's word. And then he said, well, God knows. God knows if you eat this, that you'll be like him. 
and we talked about being God, how they were drawn to be God. But there's a third lie that I didn't say. And the third lie that I didn't say was that he got them to believe that there was no consequence for their disobedience. There's no consequence. Do what you want. Eat it. Eat it. Will you really die? Go ahead. But there was a consequence. There was death entered the world. Death entered the world. Not just physical death. Death in their relationship. Brokenness in their relationship with God. Death in their jobs. Death in our marriages. Death between our children. Death, 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 death. That's the consequence of living life like we're God. And there's three different ways to do that. The first way that we don't go to the Word, or the reason we don't go to the Word, is because well, I, God just speaks to me directly. He speaks to me directly. It's all good. I know what He says. I hear what He says. And so, like, yeah, I might look at the Bible every once in a while, but, you know, like, we're a charismatic church, and this is, this is how I roll, and this is how I'm always going to roll, because I got this antenna, and God is wired into me, and it's amazing. It's amazing how He speaks to me. All prophecy from God, all of it will never contradict Scripture because it's God's Word coming to us through a spoken word now, and it's God's Word in the Bible, and it will never contradict. It should never contradict. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil. So don't be that person because you're being God. That's you being God. The second thing, second group, is people who were like, I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Right? Like, you worship the Bible, you read the Bible, you go to the Bible, you know the Bible, you memorize the Bible, and the Bible, you reading it, is become your God. It's become the thing that you find life in, and only life in. But Jesus says to the Pharisees, what? You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness to me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The Father wants to give you life. The scriptures are a door or a window into intimacy, not an end in themselves. But lots of us, we come to these traditions, we're like, you're like, like, I mean, my kids are like, you memorize these 10 verses, you get a badge. They don't talk about like, you experience God's love more? Do you feel love? You know, it's not about that. It's about memorization. It's about doing this, this, and this. And that's the goal. That's where life will come from. And Jesus says, nope. You better lead you to me or you're being God. You're determining where life comes from, not me. And the third person is like the person I mentioned in this story. Yeah, God loves me. I love God. I know the Bible says this, but I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And we don't submit to the Lord. We don't come under his love. We don't come under his leadership. We start to experience death in our life, brokenness in our life. And we go, why? Why am I experiencing this? I don't get it. It's because we believe the lie. We believe the lie that God, that's not a love letter. I can't trust it to be true. I think it will let me down. Because God really doesn't love me. If we believe that God loves us, we'll believe that his word is true, that it's reliable, 
and that can be trusted because he only wants what's good for us. And then I'll obey what it says because he is not only my father, but he is also my king. He's also my Lord. And I trust that he has purpose for my life that I will never discover. I will never discover unless I go to him. Let's stand.